Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Welcome to the first episode of October. Welcome to the first episode of the annual STL Oktoberfest, my favorite time of the year. I absolutely love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday of the year because I'm not right in the head. October is my favorite month. 31 days of horror movies. One horror movie every single day. It's just, it's such great times for me. It's so fun. And I'm so excited to be here today. And the first movie that we're going to be doing this month is Joyride, which is a Paul Walker film that uh, I'm sure many of you probably have seen or maybe you haven't seen, but got some interesting things to talk about. And if you don't know, if you're not in the STL Facebook group, here's kind of how things went down. So we had a vote for the four movies that we were going, uh, I shouldn't say four, two movies that win the vote, the other two I was going to pick. So there was multiple uh, options to choose from, and John Carpenter's The Thing is the one that won the vote. Most people picked that one, it won by a landslide. So that's probably going to be the next episode. I've never seen that movie, so I can't wait to watch it. The movie that won second place was Stephen King's uh, It. Unfortunately... I'm in a small town. It's kind of hard to find this movie. Yes, Walmart doesn't even sell it. I know. And I've also had other people tell me, eh, I'm not really interested in really hearing it. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like you got half your fans that want to hear you review Stephen King's It. Then you got the other half that don't give a crap. So I was like, well, I'll just save it for next year. That'll give me a chance to go looking for it, you know. Uh, maybe I'll find it for a good price after Halloween. I don't know. But the movies that essentially are picked are Joyride, John Carpenter's The Thing, and then we have Poltergeist, and the final one was Frozen. Uh, not the animated film, the one with a bunch of people that are trapped and you know they got to survive. I've never seen Frozen. I've never seen John Carpenter's The Thing. I wanted to do two movies I've never seen, two movies I have seen. Uh, but some people aren't too keen on Frozen, so I think I might do, I don't know, I, I kind of need some feedback if you guys want to hear Frozen or not, or uh, the other one was Disturbia with uh, Shia LaBeouf, which a lot of people seem to enjoy. So Frozen is still kind of up in the air, so uh, for sure we're doing John Carpenter's The Thing because that's the one that won the vote by a landslide. Second place was Stephen King's The It, uh, Stephen King's It, but unfortunately... Uh, I can't do that one this year, so I apologize to anybody who, you know, was upset about that. You know, my bad. Uh, but I'm hoping that uh, Poltergeist makes up for it, and then uh, of course we have Frozen. Uh, so well, I'm gonna have to see, but for sure, John Carpenter's the thing, and Poltergeist are the next two movie reviews after this one. The last movie of the month, we'll have to decide together uh, how we're gonna do that. So. Needless to say, that's kind of how uh, the vote is gone. This is the first movie. So uh, why don't we get into some quick news real quick, and then we'll get into the review of Joyride. So let's get into some news. Say they know me though, cause I'll be putting in work, commit my life to rebirth, well respected cause 
All right, so not a whole lot of news going on this week, but in regards to, surprisingly, horror, we got a little bit of news in regards to Halloween. So, as you know, Halloween is the original. John Carpenter's Halloween is my favorite horror movie of all time, and the Halloween franchise is my favorite horror franchise. So, of course, I definitely want something new and exciting after the Rob Zombie debacle that we had with uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween and in H2, which isn't even a movie, it's a, uh, not even to get started. Anyways, so John Carpenter is attached to the new Halloween movie as executive producer. His goal is to make it the scariest, the scariest Halloween of them all. So very exciting there. However, uh, news came out that they haven't even landed a filming, uh, filmmaker. Uh, they've, uh, They've got like three to five different people they're talking to, but they all have different ideas what to do. I mean, I'm kind of excited in regards to they're not just trying to make a Halloween movie, make a Halloween movie. Uh, you know, Blumhouse is the people that that took over the Halloween franchise, if you will. Uh, see, it was announced um, this past May. John Carpenter uh, was returning to executive produce the movie. I guess they were going to call it Halloween Returns. I don't know if that's going to be the title now, if they're going to change it, whatever the case may be. But at least they're, they're you know, due to the fact that different visions, different director, they're trying to get it right. I'm cool with that. Take your time. I don't want you just to put up a Michael Myers movie, just to put up a Michael Myers movie and it be a piece of crap. We've had that plenty of times. Various movies, Resurrection, Rob Zombie 1 and 2. You know, so yeah, just do what you need to do. Stay away. But evidently, Chucky 7 is coming. And uh, I hope Glenn won't be in it, even though the picture I saw had Glenn in it. I hate that guy from C to Chucky. It's terrible. Uh, Curse of Chucky was really good. I had a lot of fun with that movie. So I'm hoping that Chucky 7, whatever they're going to call it, will actually be good. But we'll find out what happens uh, in that case. However, looks like everything's going okay for the Friday the 13th movie. I guess it'll be out next year. But one thing I do know for sure we are definitely getting is a new Resident Evil movie. The final Resident Evil movie called The Final Chapter. And I think the final Underworld movie, even though it's called Blood Wars, I'm not 100% sure if it'll be the final movie. I would think it would be just because you're trying to get Kate Beckinsale to come back after many years of saying she'd never come back and you finally did get her to come back. Trailer looks great. The way it's being promoted, it looks like it's going to be the final movie. They both come out in January. And I know they're crap stories and movies and whatever, but you know what? I enjoy them. I think they're a fun, guilty pleasure. And these trailers that have come out as of yesterday from the New York Comic Con look super fun. I love the new Paradise City song, kind of like the remix version that they're making for Resident Evil. It just looks badass. So I love the Resident Evil movies. When this final movie comes out is probably when I'm going to do the Resident Evil series. So, uh, John, the mailman, I know you've been requesting that since STL started. You're going to be getting your Resident Evil series, sir. No worries. I just got to wait for the final movie to come out. So, And the last bit of news that I want to talk about is Luke Cage. So Luke Cage is the newest Marvel TV series to hit Netflix. And boy, is it awesome. However... We have some rude, stupid individuals out there called ignorant white folks. So here's the deal. Luke Cage is an awesome show that's based in Harlem. 
and we have black folks in the show. However, we have dumb, stupid, redneck white people saying it's a racist show, and it just annoys and pisses me off to no end. It's like, seriously, uh, there's like millions of white shows on television, but the moment that you have one show that isn't centered around white folks, it's a racist show. So, of course, Family Matters, being a family full of black people, was that show ever called racist? No, because when that show was around, we didn't have sorry-ass sensitive people laying around complaining. So, I'm sorry. This is so annoying to me. This show is fantastic. All right, Jessica Jones is boring as hell. It is so, ugh, it was such a chore to get through that show. Luke Cage kicks ass from the moment the show starts off. I love the character. I love the music in it. It's so awesome. Man, I, I could go on and on and on. I haven't finished the show. I have one episode left, and it is fantastic. It is by far my favorite Marvel show. And I didn't think anything could top Daredevil. But Luke Cage is phenomenal show. It is fantastic. I'm telling you. The bad guy in this show, which is called uh, Cottonmouth, there's this... Okay, not too much of a spoiler, but let's put it this way. You know, I've seen a lot of blood and guts and gore in my life, but this particular scene resonated with me so much. And it was very simple and super effective. Not really too much of a spoiler, but, but let's put it this way. There's a particular scene that happens early on in the season where two people are on a roof and one person takes another guy and throws him off a roof and the camera follows this guy to his death. And man, is that something that just stayed with me. It was like, it was shock. I couldn't believe I saw something like this. It was fantastic. I love the bad guy. He has this creepy laugh. Like, He's all badass and you get in his face, all of a sudden he'll just start laughing at you. It's it's fantastic. I love Luke Cage. I love the music. It's good times, especially towards the end with the special uh, musician guest star, which is really cool. But I love Luke Cage. I love Rosario Dawson in the show. She's in this show a crap load of, to- a crap load of times, uh, way more than she ever was in Daredevil. And Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones is flat out boring. So for all you ignorant white people out there that want a white people show, go watch your Jessica Jones. All right. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what, you know, point being, I don't care race, color, religion, all that stuff. It doesn't matter to me. I just want a good show with a good character, good story. And that's exactly what I got with Luke Cage. Man, it is phenomenal. It's great. Super action-packed. Great story. Build-up mystery. Great characters. You resonate. It's so relatable. But because it's a, a black superhero that's taking place in Harlem, it's racist. So I am so sick of these stupid people on the internet. They just annoy the hell out of me. When did the hell did we become so sensitive as a as a United States that everything offends us? You know, the, the meme that I love is... Good morning, America. How can I be offended today? I mean, seriously, why are we such wussies? It's ridiculous. So I'm sorry I'm on a rant. It's something I don't like to do on the show. I like to be positive, but I have to to apologize to all of my African-American friends and listeners out there that 
I am not one of those stupid people out there complaining about Nick uh, Luke Cage. I love that show. It's hands down the best Marvel TV show. I love it. It's fantastic. And I honestly did not think anything could be Daredevil. But damn it, Luke Cage did it. And I haven't even finished it. I got one episode left. So I freaking love Luke Cage. 10 out of 10. A++. I love that show. It's fantastic. So please forgive all the stupid, ignorant people out there. They're just dumb. Okay, so I, I apologize, and uh, rant is over. So uh, with that being said, uh, let's end with news. And uh, I'm sorry I was on a soapbox there. I, I just had to get that off my chest. It's been eating me alive, man, for ever since I read it. I've got, oh, man, it's just I'm trying so hard to stay off of the negativity on Facebook, but it's so hard not to see it. And respond to it. So this particular topic, I I responded multiple times about how stupid people are being about this, and about how all these other fantastic shows like In Living Color and all these any other show that just you know Spanish show or a Mexican show or any show that isn't white, just how why why are we complaining about that when ninety percent of the television we have is white people. All these people complaining can just go watch any other show on TV. You know, just because we finally have uh, a black superhero on TV that's based in Harlem. I don't know. I've already talked about this. You know what I'm saying, folks? It's just, why do we have to have dumb people? I I don't understand it, but... All right, so that is it. Let's get into the review of Joyride. If you had a car, you could... Pick me up in Colorado. We could have an adventure. You know, the two of us. You'd want that? How far would you go for the girl you've always wanted? Sexy choice. Vintage 1971. How much would you do for a brother in need? Thank you for coming. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I'll drop him off in Denver. I'll see you tomorrow. Breaker one, man. This is like a prehistoric internet or something. Can you do a woman's voice? How much fun could you have? Hey there, this is Candy Candy. Who's this? Rusty Nail. If I were there, Rusty Nail, I'd make you feel good. This is turning me on. When the joke... I'll be at the Lone Star Motel. What room? Room 17. I can't wait. This is awesome! Is now on you. We had a little incident here last night. The victim was staying in room 17. What happened to him? Ripped his jaw clean off. This fall. Are you guys ready for an adventure or what? Everything you say. Candy cane. We saw what you did to that guy. You pathetic, lonely freak show. Will come back to haunt you. You really should get that fixed. Get what fixed? That tail light. Everything you see is going to terrify you. Everything you hear. Who's the pretty girl? He's watching us! Is going to drive you. Go, go! Over the edge. I'll leave it alone! Please! We'll do whatever you want! I want you two to head inside naked. So, how does it feel to be the freak in the room? Why'd you do it? It's just for fun. Just for a laugh. You don't feel like getting together in a motel later. Room 17. Do 
not be one minute late. Can I open the door? Can I open the door? So you still good or need me to drive? All right, guys, so let's talk about Joyride. So Joyride is a movie from 2001. It's a horror thriller movie, which was pretty awesome to find out as I was rewatching this movie. And it was written by J.J. Abrams, which is pretty cool. Obviously, a lot of people are going to know who J.J. Abrams is. And the movie is not starring Paul Walker. He's second to Steve Zahn, which... You'll probably know this guy from That Thing You Do. That's the movie that I always associate him from. But Paul Walker is second to him because Paul Walker wasn't really that big of an actor at that point in time. Uh, but we'll get there in a little bit. And then, of course, we have Lee Lee Sabosky or a.k.a. the girl who looks like Jennifer Lawrence uh, but never got to have a big enough career like Jennifer Lawrence. She's in this movie. So it wasn't a big, strong hit when it first came out, but it did have positive reviews and unfortunately had two direct video sequels. So, uh, of course, I'm not going to be talking about those two because I had no purpose or any sort of uh, intention on ever seeing those movies. But I'm going to give you guys a quick refresher on this movie. You know, I tried to pick some movies this year that I knew for sure uh, would be easily found if you have like cable and you have on demand. You can find it there or, or it's still available in your video store. And I know this one is still on demand all the time. So we have Paul Walker, whose character's name is Lewis Thomas. He is a university student and his girlfriend, well, his wannabe girlfriend is Vina Wilcox, played by Lee Lee Savosky. So, of course, um, it's his childhood friend. He's got a crush on her and he's preparing to go home for the summer holiday. Now, Lewis offers to come by Vienna's campus because, uh, you know, they go to different universities to drive her home instead of both of them flying back. And Vina happily agrees. So after he after Paul Walker, he's refunding his plane ticket. He buys this 1971 Chevrolet new uh, no Chrysler, not not Chevrolet. It's a 71 Chrysler Newport. Yeah, that's the vehicle it was. And Lewis calls his parents, announces that, hey, I got to change of plans. And then he finds out that his older brother, Fuller, played by Steven Zahn, uh, who I guess you could say is the family's black sheep, that he's been arrested again. So Lewis decides he's going to drive to Salt Lake City and bail out Fuller first before he goes to pick up his girlfriend, uh, Vienna. And uh, so at a gas station, Fuller has this CB radio installed. The one of the biggest problems with this movie is it doesn't age well because, you know, right off the bat, you start off and you got, uh, you know, Walkmans and all that kind of stuff. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I kind of want to just give you a, a heads up on the story here. So essentially you have the CB radios installed in Lewis's car. It only paid 40 bucks for it. So they begin listening to all the truckers talking, going on and, they decide that they want to have fun and they want to play a prank and they call on this guy. His name is Rusty Nail. Now, here's what's cool but kind of bad, which we'll talk about. We have an awesome voice that does the voice of Rusty Nail, although he's not in the movie. Ted Levine, a.k.a. if you've seen uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs, that's it. Great podcast to Mike. You can't even remember freaking movies. Yeah, he's the killer, Buffalo Bill in uh, Silence of the Lambs. He's got an awesome voice, but he, the guy who actually betrays him looks nothing like him, but we'll get into that later. But essentially, they play a 
they play uh, a trick on this guy by pretending to be a woman named Candy Kane, and they set up a meeting with Rusty Nail in a motel where Lewis and Fuller will be spending the night. And Lewis tells you know him that uh, that she is going to be in room seventeen. Uh, which the reason why they picked that room is that Fuller got into an argument with this douchebag earlier on. So he decides, hey, I'm going to have those two meet up and it'll be a good time, even though they're in 18. So Rusty Nail arrives at the guy's room. He's got like champagne and all this stuff. And you can kind of hear what's going on briefly, but not but not too much. So the next morning you see that there's the sheriff who's talking to Lewis and Fuller comes out. He's like, what the hell is going on? You find out that that dude, that the the douchebag businessman that Fuller had a confrontation with, he's dead. Well, not dead, but he, he was on a highway, still alive, but he had something removed from his body. So they go to hospital, and you find out that his lower jaw is ripped off of his face. Can you believe that? Your lower jaw ripped off your face. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine living with no jaw. Crazy. So uh, they basically Ritter figure Ritter is this uh, the name of the sheriff. So uh, sheriff figures out that the two of them were involved in the incident, but he's gonna let them go because he's already got his hands full of tons of other crap going on, and we're gonna treat this like a western. And you guys go ahead and leave town and don't ever come back. And so um, on the road, Rusty Nail. Uh, basically is on the CB again looking for candy cane. So Lewis essentially you know, picks it up, talks to him, and he reveals to him that, look, man, it was just a joke. I'm candy cane. And Lewis, by the way, that's, that's Paul Walker, which he has a pretty good female voice, by the way. But when he tells him it's just a joke, you know, uh, he's, the, he's the guy that is obviously uh, remorseful, and he wants to tell him that he's sorry, but, of course, we got the the fuller who's like, no, screw you, man. I'm not going to apologize because Nail is like, you give me an apology. And he's like, screw you, man. Go F yourself, blah, 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 blah. So because of that, that's when Rusty Nail lets him know, yeah, well, you should get that taillight fixed, which indicates that he's right behind them. So we get this crazy, uh, awesome scene. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, but it turns out to where... Um, you know, I don't want to go too much into the details on that because there's a lot I want to talk about there. But let's put it this way. It's almost like two movies. This half of the movie ends where Rusty Nail, he gets them. He almost kills them. They apologize. He leaves. And then we start a whole new story. It feels like it anyways. It's a little bit jagged. But essentially the guys, after they survive, they go and they pick up, um, what's her name? Uh, Venna. And they go to some bar and kind of get drunk and all that good stuff. But then you find out later that Rusty Nail uh, calls Lewis and says, Hey, guess what? Uh, Fuller's next door with your girl, which he's like, how the hell did you know that? So they, they, they get away from the motel and they, they run away. And also another girl gets kidnapped, which is Venna's friend. So it's kind of like this blackmail story going on. But essentially there's this big cornfield. He's chasing them down. They think that they got away, but in, in fact, Rusty Nail grabs Venna, kidnaps her, and then says, calls the guys and says, you're going to have to meet me at this motel room. Can't be a minute late. 
and of course he blows up their car and it's good time so long story short the guys get a hold of another vehicle they make it to the hotel but needless to say vienna is strapped to a chair with a shotgun to her face and if the boys go in the room it's gonna kill her so uh, we essentially have kind of a, a brawl that happens where uh, rusty nail gets a hold of fuller and they fight, he gets stabbed, and when I mean stabbed, that would be Fuller to get stabbed. But police show up, they start kicking down doors, so uh, Paul Walker's character gets in the room just in time before the gun goes off, and Rusty Nail's about ready to run over Fuller when he comes crashing through, you think he's dead, and then uh, as they're being treated for injuries at an ambulance, a dead man turns out to be the, uh, the ice truck driver from earlier in the film, and then a CB is on in the ambulance and you hear Rusty Nail's voice learning that he's still alive and free. So that's essentially um, just to kind of give you a recap of the movie. Maybe you've never seen it and I ruined it. Sorry, but that's okay. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a really old movie. It's from 2001. This is shortly uh, Paul Walker just kicking off gears here. I mean, when you take a look at him, because he's the first scene of the movie, you see him and he's got like, uh, he's got... What is he? he's got a Walkman going on and he did this right after the Fast and Furious. So, you know, prior to this, we got uh, She's All That, Varsity Blues, The Skulls, Fast and Furious and Joyride. He did Joyride the same year as Fast and Furious, but he looks not like Brian, but he looks like how he did in Varsity Blues. You know, now going into this, I was a little bit worried because I'm so used to seeing him as, as Brian O'Connor for all these years and was I going to be able to separate myself character-wise because, you know, I know he's going to be driving a vehicle in this. And, you know, he's definitely a different character. He's a different kind of driver. And luckily, I was able to see him as a completely different character pretty fast because there's a lot of strong storytelling going on. I'd like to say that this movie is, is two movies, and we'll get into that. So, movie starts off. And as I was telling you before about not aging well, when you have a Walkman there in your first scene and you got and you're dealing with CB radios, it's obviously showing your age. You know, forgive me for my ignorance here, but I'm pretty sure CB radios aren't really being used that much anymore. I could be completely wrong. So if I am, please forgive me. I'm not a trucker. I don't know. Theoretically, I would think they would still be in play, but no way a Walkman's still in play. I mean, come on, they don't even make tapes anymore. So uh, it was cool scene. It was written by J.J. Abrams. That was pretty cool. Uh, right off the bat in the credits, good times. And then when he rolls over and you see his face, I'm like, wow, that is Varsity Blues Paul Walker. But it was cool. And another thing that shows its age, the credit card machine. So he, you know, when he's going to get his brother out of jail, they show the credit card machine, which they're going to show it, I think, two more times in the movie. It's the where, you know, you take the credit card, they do the swipe, and you have, like, the carbon copies that you have to sign for. It's really old school. So, unfortunately, it's something that shows its age. I think there's a difference in horror movies when you have a movie that specifically tells you what year it's taking place in. For example, you know, you have Halloween 1978. You can, when you have the actual year displayed there... It somehow becomes timeless. 
I know it sounds weird, but there's some movies that are timeless and there's other ones that show its age. For example, even though Ferris Bueller's Day Off takes place in the 80s, it's still a timeless movie because just the way certain things are done, it it's not like you see a piece of technology instantly and you're like, oh boy, that sure dates the movie. Uh, but other movies that don't specifically tell you the year that they're in or something like that can really age a movie. So this is one of those movies, at least for me, where various things were really showing how old this movie was. Now, that being said, it definitely is not something I hold against a movie because this is coming from a guy who loves the 80s and 90s. So, of course, I'm not going to let uh, something that that shows the age of a movie create a problem for me i'm just simply pointing out that there's various things that were like wow that's really old you know versus other movies i don't really care about because it it hides its age well other ones don't so uh okay so we have the uh the brother talk in the car so we have paul walker and steve's on you're supposed to believe that they're brothers you're supposed to believe steve is the older brother even though paul walker is way taller than this guy is uh, I like Steve Zahn. Now, he's not my favorite actor in the whole entire world. Now, various movies that he's been in uh, would be like uh, Stuart Little uh, movies, but it's more like a voice, uh, you know, Reality Bites, Force of Nature. You've got Mail, Riding with Cars and uh, Riding in Cars with Boys, Saving Silverman, Daddy Daycare, National Security, Sahara, Perfect Getaway. Those are some you know, movies that uh, he's been in. Now, The Perfect Getaway is a great, great movie. That one stars uh, Mila Jovovich and uh, Timothy Olfant. Uh That movie's freaking great. Uh, you guys got to check that out sometime if you can. Uh, but again, we're not talking about that movie. But uh, the movie I know him the most from would be, you know, um, That Thing You Do, which he played Lenny, uh, in that movie, and I believe, uh, I think he was the guitar player in that movie. So, uh, you know, he works. The cool thing with this movie is it has some funny moments, like legitimate funny moments, just of uh, the bickering between the brothers or some of the things that uh, he says is really cool. You know, you have him, he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's the loudmouth brother, but he definitely says things that he feels. And he has some good comic relief. And this movie has a really great balance, especially the first half of the movie. has a really great balance between scares and comedy and being a thriller. It's The first half is super, super strong. It's almost like a short film. Now, that's not to say that I don't like the second half, but the first half of the film is very strong. So, you know... We've established the beginning of Paul Walker's character, of uh, him trying to get to this girl, that he sells his ticket to get this car, and on the way he picks up his brother, and you realize that these two are going to get into mischief. Now, they do a really good job of making you like the brothers, but also you kind of, boy, how do I put this? They do a good job of making you really like the brothers, but at the same time, you they know they know what they're doing. They know they're doing a prank, so they get they deserve everything that's coming to them. So in a way, it's hard to feel sorry for them, even though they're still likable. If if that makes sense, so it's like okay, I was being a total ass. I was a prankster. 
I'm sorry, my brother isn't, and I'm going to, you know, and now we're going to have to pay for our sins, essentially. It's the first half of this movie. So after you get your brother rapport in the car, you get a little bit of history with these two. That's when they get the CB radio and the prank starts and they get a hold of Rusty Nail. And the the joke essentially kind of ends because they kind of lead him on a little bit and the station goes out so they kind of pull to the side of the road they find this motel they're going to stay in and that's when um fuller comes in contact with this mean business guy and they have an altercation so rusty nail calls back on the radio and they decide okay this will be the perfect prank we already got him thinking he's gonna be hooking up with the girl let's have a meet up with this douchebag in there it'll be real funny we'll go to the room next to us so we can hear the whole thing that's essentially the joke so of course as the night progresses rusty nail shows up and the problem is, is I'm not sure if you're supposed to hear what's going on in the other room or not. If you're not supposed to, they did a really good job where they, you heard various noises and you kind of let the imagination uh, take over. And that's one thing I really enjoy about this movie is that there's a lot of stuff that is left up to your imagination. And I enjoy that because I'm tired of all these movies nowadays where they got to show you everything. So this is still, you know... A really good, uh, I'd like to think of it more as a thriller than a horror movie because this one's all about, you know, you know, just getting you tensed up, you know. So essentially, you don't hear anything else, and we get the daytime, that's when the sheriff shows up, and the boys realize, okay, something's going on. And when the sheriff decides that he's going to take the boys to the hospital to show them what happened to the next door uh, neighbor, and you see his face and there's no jaw there. Really disgusting and kind of gave you some chills. And then, of course, the sheriff, you find out, is Bobby from Supernatural. Very cool. I loved it. It was awesome. He was a complete tool and an a-hole. And I loved it. It was great, just like Bobby should be. And tells them, you know what? You're going to have to, I'm going to treat this like a Western. You got 24 hours to leave my state. So the boys decide, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to leave. But that's when Rusty Nail decides that he's going to call back and get some payback. Now, from this point on, it gets freaking amazing. So the boys, you know, he calls and he basically says, you need to apologize for what you did. And when Paul Walker's like, hell yeah, I'll apologize. And then, of course, Fuller's like, no way, screw you, blah, 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 go F yourself. And they find out that he's behind them. We get this crazy 15-minute chase sequence, and it's awesome. It's heart-pounding. It's great. And the cool thing is is I never once thought, hey, that's Brian O'Connor behind the wheel. It was actually the character he was playing because he's not a very good driver. He could, I mean, he crashes into stuff. He's just not, you know, he was able to separate himself very well from the person he previously played just a couple months earlier in a movie. So, it was awesome. And the score in this movie is fantastic. I love it. It totally builds up suspense. But one of the best scenes is they, they run out of gas. And they just happen to go off the grid at the right moment to get to this convenience store. And that's when this guy comes up with a bat. It, well, it looks like a bat, but it's actually a tire pressure. And Paul Walker pays with his credit card. And he just walks out. And the dude's chasing after him. And you get this big chase sequence. And it's the ice... The 
the uh, the ice guy who's going to be at the end of the movie. Uh, it's kind of like a, a switch, if you will. Anyways, he he tracks them down, and it's just this great scene of being in the middle of nowhere and they're thinking they're gonna die and the dude's like hey you forgot your credit card and he's like really dude you just gave me a heart attack and it was great it it was a lot of suspense it was a great sequence you kind of got to breathe a little bit next thing you know as the as the ice as the ice guy i don't want to call him ice guy what the hell is he my gosh, he is an ice truck driver. Thank you. Oh my gosh, my great podcasting. So he's slowly backing up, right? And you know, you think everything's cool. Next thing you know, the semi drives right through his truck, and it's Rusty Nail coming after the boys. They take off, and eventually, Rusty Nail pins him to a tree. He starts to crush the car. Windows are breaking, and they were they're screaming, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry!" And he's like. That's all I wanted you to do is say you're sorry. I'm just trying to have some fun. Rusty Nail backs off and then it goes it goes black and it's daytime. And at that moment, I was like, are you freaking serious right now? Now, the reason I said that is, is I distinctly remember the ending of this movie. It's really the only thing that I could remember. Just the whole shotgun and the hotel scene, but... From from that moment, I was like, that was awesome. This is like, this is a great movie. I'm like, how the hell could you, how could you just top that? You know, it was like, it felt like a short film had just ended right there. I'm telling you right now, if you watch this movie from the beginning of the movie until you get to this final sequence, it's like, I don't know, it's 45 minutes. It's fantastic. It's a it will scare the hell out of you watching this. It's it's a fantastic horror movie. And then we get to the second half of the movie, which is nowhere near as strong as the first half. Uh, it doesn't mean to say the movie as a whole is going to go down. We'll talk about it. But I want to emphasize here, the first half of this movie is fantastic. I mean, it's easily uh, a, God, a B plus. Easily a B plus. I mean, it, it, it's great. I mean, you don't have the, the greatest guys in the world to change, you know, you don't have the greatest characters in the world to change your life, you know, but it's it's telling a great story from almost beginning, middle and end in the 45 minutes. You got, you know, you, you've established why they're going on the road to pick up a girl, two brothers, you know, they play a joke, the joke backfires, they almost get killed for it and then movie ends. It's awesome. So the the second half basically starts up, as I like to put it, because this is where they're going to go get the girl. And the movie really slows down at this moment in time. Um, you get introduced to Lily. Now, Lily, I can kind of see why she didn't have a fantastic career. She's not the greatest actress in the world by any means. She's not terrible, but she looks like Jennifer Lawrence. She just doesn't have the acting chops of Jennifer Lawrence. So you'll probably know her best from Deep Impact. She was the daughter. Um, uh, she's the like the boy, the girlfriend that gets to go with what's his name at the end of the movie before the asteroid hits. But yeah, she's in that movie called uh, Let's see, Deep Impact. What's another movie you might know her from? Let's see, we got Deep Impact, Never Been Kissed, Eyes Wide Shut, The Glass House, nowhere from that, uh, The Wicker Man, 88 Minutes, Finding Bliss, Night Train, 
Yeah, not a whole, whole lot. But needless to say, um, she comes into the fold. You know, she's she's the typical, I don't know, she's got to have no brawn. They got to kind of sex her up a little bit. And then you get this bar scene where the guys get drunk and, you know, it's like, okay, well, I really want to be with your girl kind of thing. It just, it really slows things down. So, like, for about a good 15 minutes, you get this stupid bar stuff and them hanging out. It really does nothing for the story, uh, especially after you've had such that that huge, that strong ass. I don't know. I like to say the ending because it's fantastic. But you get this really strong middle, and then you now break into the second act, and it's starting. It just it just drops. You know, it sucks. So it really picks up when. Fuller goes next door. He's drunk. He wants to get laid. And the phone the phone rings, wakes up Paul Walker. And that's when he tells him, hey, I know what's going on. I know where you're at. And that's kind of where things start to kick off at this moment in time. Because you get the phone call. And then they, he tells you to look in the trunk as, as Fuller's driving by. Which I really like that part. I thought that was a nice touch. Where he spray paints the signs that he's traveling. Look in the trunk as he's driving by and of course uh they're like yeah i'm sure those signs are spray painted that he's like yeah look and then it has lewis spray painted on one of the other signs so he's like okay great so let's look in the trunk and of course they think it's a bomb or they're like maybe it's a dead body no it's the cb radio that they threw away early right after this whole adventure they had of almost getting killed so it's to let you know hey i know where you are at and then um Venna's friend, who's her roommate, gets kidnapped, and it's basically blackmailing them to come meet him. But before he can do that, the ladies who are watching this get to see a naked Paul Walker. So, (laughs) Rusty Nail plays his version of a joke, saying that, I want you to go to this restaurant butt naked and order your ass some food. Now, number one, how the hell... Are you going to order anything when you're butt naked and you got no wallet on you? You know, it's kind of redundant, but it's funny. So you get to see Paul Walker naked, Steve's on naked. I'm sure the girls watching this movie enjoyed that. But, um, you know, I definitely say after this, where you get the cornfield scene, really intense. I really enjoyed it. The cornfield scene is just as good as the chase sequence from the first half of the film. And uh, the cornfield scene lasts for about a good seven minutes or so. Now, one thing I wish they would have done that I was really hoping for that, that unfortunately didn't happen. I was hoping they never show the guy's face. You know the voice. I mean, the voice is so iconic. And you're, you kind of get a, a side view of him a little bit, but it's still in darkness. And you know it's not the same guy that's doing the voice. But I was hoping they never show his face. And unfortunately, towards the end of the movie, they do. That would have been pretty awesome to keep his face a mystery. Just like his voice is so mysterious. That that would have been awesome. But uh, we kind of get to the climax of the film. And this is the part that I always remembered was her being strapped down in saran wrap. And with a shotgun to her face. And it's the boys trying to, to find her. And uh, I didn't realize that their car was going to get blown up and that they have seven miles that they have to, to drive or walk. 
uh, before they get, you know, before it hits midnight and like midnight's only like 12 minutes away. So there is this funny scene of them trying to steal a vehicle and the guy coming out, you think it's his vehicle they're stealing, but in fact, he's a drunk guy trying to help them steal the vehicle, which he didn't know he was doing. So that was kind of humorous. The, the comedy in this movie is very well balanced. You get those joke moments right after you've been scared. So I give the jokes an A plus in the movie because they were done very well at the very perfect time and it was not overdone. So the jokes are fantastic in the movie. So are the scares. The scares are great. I love the scares. Unfortunately, we have the crappy, you know, you get this big ass build up in the middle and then it drops and you get this boring ass 15 minutes that is pointless and it just should have went away. And I wish the movie would have just ended at that scene because it would have been, I don't know, it would have been awesome. But this end sequence, though, is pretty cool. You know, unfortunately, we get to see his face um, as the boys are trying to rescue her and try to find the room. They realize that they're in the, the room next door and he's, you know, they put their ear to the wall just like they did earlier in the movie and they hear him talking and there's a big fight between Rusty Nail and uh, and Fuller while Paul Walker's trying to save his girl. And then, you know, I'm not sure exactly because I might have missed it. But somehow at the end when the truck travels through the cornfield and is about ready to crush the cops and crush Fuller and crashes into the hotel, that it ends up to be the ice truck driver. I don't know how the body was switched uh, or that he was ever kidnapped or whatever. They don't go into that, but I guess you kind of have to give that to them after, you know, everything you've been going through in this movie. But anyways, the movie comes to an end uh, after they're being treated for their injuries and uh, the CB and the ambulance is on. You hear Rusty Noise voice and then you find out he's still alive and free and the movie ends. So, um, you know, I know, boy, coming into this, I knew that uh, I really enjoyed the ending, but... Because I forgot about everything that happened from the beginning up into that middle sequence, it was like, man, I didn't want the ending anymore because I wanted that middle scene to be the end of the movie where he's crushing them against the tree and then he just backs off slowly and it fades to black and it was just like, wow. So uh, I'm going to rate this as two different kind of viewings as a, as a um, short film and as a movie as a whole. So if we're talking, let's say a short film, we got, or I guess, yeah, let's do it as a short film. So if we do it as a short film from the beginning, movie starts off and it ends with them getting crushed by the tree and then it fades to black. It's fantastic. The movie is almost, a, man, I got to say, it's like a, like a B plus, hardcore B plus because, you know, the real, the great score of the movie happens towards the end. So the score isn't as fantastic in the in the first half as it is in the second half. That's where the movie gets really good is that score uh, build up. Um, no, you know what? I take it back. The score is the best in the first half. The store, when Paul Walker is in the store and he's freaking out, wondering if that guy is him, the score is fantastic. So yeah, even the second half doesn't have the amazing score. So B plus 
for sure for the first half of the movie. You get to the second half, the movie's already at a C minus because of that crappy scene in the middle. It's pointless. It's stupid. And uh, then it starts to go up a little bit. And you probably will end with like a B minus by the end of the film. So like as a whole, I guess I would kind of go as a whole. You know what? Screw it. The first half I really love. I'm going with an A minus. That's how much I love it. It's it's awesome. It it had the perfect amount of laughs. It had great scares. I really enjoyed the character moments. Uh, they were both likable, but at the same time, they both had everything coming to them that they deserved. So I really enjoy the first half. A minus. We get to the second half, and I give it like a like a C. Man, like a C minus, man. The second half just is not as strong as the first half. It's good, but it just the it falls from the middle section and it takes a while to build back up. So the second half's like a C minus. So as a whole, I gotta give it a C plus because you know it is a really good movie. Uh, it's a, one of the few Paul Walker movies that he made that was on the horror thriller side. Um, it, you know, of course it's not his best acting job because of the fact of, you know, he's just starting off and, and things like that. If you want to see his best acting performance, you got to watch ours hands down his best acting performance ever. I love it. It's fantastic. That's my favorite Paul Walker movie is ours. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, but you know, overall, yeah, I got to go with a C plus for the film. It's a good way to start off. The Oktoberfest, you know, we're not starting off with the greatest movie of the bunch and hopefully we don't end with the crappiest movie of the bunch. It's a good way to start off. You know, we'll kind of start off uh, and, and hopefully we kind of go higher up the list as we go. But Joyride, uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that you check out the first half. If you want to continue on the second half, good, great. Maybe you'll like it more than I did. But you got to check out the first half of this movie because it's like a like a short film. It's fantastic. It's a great way to get your ass scared this month in October. Uh, and it's uh, it's awesome. So that's it, guys. That's my review for Joyride. And uh, I don't have any emails, uh, unfortunately. The only email I got was for the Burbs, and I know I blew it. I know I didn't do the review for the Burbs. It's because you know I I was sick. My voice was terrible. And now my wife is sick. She's got this sinus infection. She's been on it. She's been on antibiotics for like ten days now. It's still not getting better. It's it's terrible here. So I finally got my voice back, and it was time to do this. So the burbs. I'll have to wait to review that after October. So in November we'll do the burbs, and then we'll do RoboCop uh, for the month of November. So I did get an email from Hurricane Andrew on the burbs, but we'll wait to read that email. For that particular episode. So since we don't have any emails, let's roll into the music spotlight. Alright, so for the music spotlight, I'm going to do something a little bit special. Uh, I don't know if I've brought this up in the episode, probably not, uh, but 
Today was a day that I went to a funeral for a very good friend of mine. Um, this is a person that I met a couple years ago. And man, I this person really meant a lot to me. He was so kind-hearted. He put everybody's needs before himself. Um, he was a diabetic, so he, he always helped my daughter whenever she was down or just having questions or just trying to encourage her. Whenever I was financially having problems, I would just get random gift cards to take my family out. And uh, basically about two weeks ago, this uh, this friend of mine killed himself. Um, and it was, you know, if I was to take all of my friends and, Kyle, you know, just any, any person that I know, uh, this person was at the bottom of that list of a person who would take their own life. And, you know, you never know what, what somebody is going through. You never really know how how dark somebody's life really is. You know, we had such great times. We had such great laughs. Um, we had uh, some deep stories we would tell each other. But never, ever, ever did it ever come, you know, across that this would be somebody who would take their own life. And uh, it, it was really devastating for me. And uh, it's now this, the, the second person in my life who has killed themselves that was a close friend of mine. And it, it's getting rough, man. You know, it's like every, you know, it, I don't know, man. Suicide suicide is, is, is a rough thing to deal with because, you know, you get angry at the person of how could you do that? But at the same time, when you really love the person, you're trying to put yourself in their shoes of what what happened, what were they going through? So, you know, I have a song that I've never played on STL. It's a song I listen uh, listen to a lot, but it's definitely a song that I wish I could have uh, I could have played for my for my two friends that I lost during their difficult times. Um, it's a song called The Last Night. Uh, it's it's a very uplifting song and it's about suicide. And, you know, for me, I can always, whenever I get to that that point, you know, you almost get to that breaking point, I can always look at my family, you know, or I can always pray to God and, and just just ask for help me get through this day, you know, and... Uh, I mean, everybody has their own thing that they do or, or they 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 try whatever they do to get them through the day. And so this song is definitely a powerful song. Um, you know, it definitely resonates, especially with the younger people, because, it, you know, some of the uh, one of the the lines is coming from a, a teenager's perspective. But. You know, it's something just for a person to realize that it'll be the last night that they're alone. And, uh, you know, it's it's a great song, great words, great message. And um, it's something that I've listened to ever since I lost them. Just to kind of remind myself that no matter how down I feel, that that's not the way to go out is to kill myself. And uh, and just to, to spread, you know... I guess the thing is, is you, you never know when it'll be the last time you talk to somebody. So, you know, life is short, it's fragile, you know, 
you uh, you really need to let people know how much they mean to you. Even if you're in an argument, man, you got to not let the sun go down because what happens if you walk out the door and God forbid something happened and they got robbed and got killed or the house blew up or whatever the case may be. And the last thing you ever talked to that person was something out of anger, you know, so you always got to try your best to let people know how much you care for them. You love them and remind them of how special they are to you. So um this song is dedicated to my friend that i lost and uh to anybody out there who's hurting uh there's always some there's always there's something out there that will listen to you and will comfort you and uh and i found it and hopefully you will too so uh with that being said i want to thank you guys so much for being with me on this episode i had a lot of fun sorry to bring it down but uh, I wanted to get serious here for a moment. Sorry about my rant I had earlier on Luke Cage. Hopefully I didn't offend or piss anybody off. But at the same time, it's something that I felt needed to be addressed because people are, are being ridiculous. So uh, I had a lot of fun, even though I definitely enjoyed the first half over the second half. This is super fun for me. Uh, hopefully next week will be a time where I'll be able to record uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. That's my plan uh, my wife is currently very sick. Uh, it's been four weeks now. She's going back to the doctor tomorrow. So I'm going to keep you guys posted on things. But, uh, you know, I still got three weeks left to do three more movies. So if a week passes by, we'll just do two movies in one week. We're definitely going to get all these movies done somehow, some way in this month of October. Because it is the STL Oktoberfest, my favorite time of the month it's fantastic so don't forget if you are a fan of the show please write in stlpodcast at gmail.com if you've never wrote in before hey that's how you get your nickname also don't forget to join the facebook group stl nation that's where all the posts go in regards to voting that's where we all hang out have fun it's good times all the hardcore fans are there and then uh let the show know if you like if you like the show let people know you dig it. You know, like I said, we're kind of rebuilding our audience here. It's awesome. We got some new people that have joined, uh, that found the show after coming back. So it's kind of cool of chapter two, rebuilding STL. So I'm, I'm having a blast doing it and, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a good, good time. So I think that will, uh, I think that'll wrap it up. So I hope, uh, you guys have yourself a nice, safe week out there. You know, we got some craziness going on with clowns and all this stuff, and crime is just going up the yin-yang. It's ugh, it's crazy world out there. So everybody, you know, make sure you give that person in your life a reminder of how much they mean to you, how much you love them. Make sure you give your, your kids a kiss before they go to bed. And, uh, you know, say your prayers, all that good stuff. And uh, I am a happy camper. And uh, I'm very happy to be sharing all of these uh, these thoughts and all this good stuff with you guys. Uh, you know, I know I tell you every week how much you guys mean to me. But even though you're not here with me, you are in spirit. And uh, I always feel like I'm definitely talking straight to you guys and uh, it's it's a good time. You know, not many shows are solo these days. Everybody's got somebody on the other end, but it's cool. It's kind of how it's always been the root of STL is me being by myself, even though I miss my boy Jameson. Hopefully I can get that guy on real soon, man. Talk some space balls. I got to wait for life to chill out. 
But uh, hopefully I can get a familiar voice back on the show real, real soon. But in the meantime, you guys have yourself a nice, safe week. And I will talk to you guys when we get back together to talk John Carpenter's a thing. So I hope you guys enjoy this song. It's uh, called The Last Night. It's from Skillet, a song I never played before. And uh, it, it'll dedicate it to, to my friend that I lost. And uh, that's it, guys. So have a good one. Take care. We'll soon as soon This is the last night you'll